You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. I thought that was a great video. So um, Jeff wanted a Sunday off, so uh, I was privileged to have the elders ask me if I would be interested in filling in, and um, I am taking advantage of the opportunity. So um, I'm, I know some of you know this, but not all of you know this, but you know Jeff and I met in seminary. And uh, when we graduated, we got married, and then we each were assigned three churches. So I had three churches, and Jeff had three churches, and on Sunday morning, we went our separate ways, and we preached, 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 and came home and rested. <laughs> so um, so I, I did that for uh, five years, and then quit to stay home and have lots of kids. And so, um, so I'm thankful I don't have to preach every Sunday. Uh, that's definitely not an easy thing to uh, have to, you know, dig in and be able to preach from your heart and proclaim the truth of God's word and have something fresh and engaging every Sunday. So I get to have the better thing where I get to percolate for a long time and then come up and share something. So hopefully it's fresh and engaging. So, um, but I really um, enjoyed that video when I found it and uh, it touched on some of the things that were in my heart that I wanted to share. And uh, one of the phrases that stood out to me in that video was talking about how the, um, the things of life can be real and loud and yet they don't have to be like huge. They can still be real and loud and just be things that are going on within us. And, uh, and they're challenging and they are like a fire. Um, it doesn't have to be something huge like being persecuted for your faith. It can be huge in, in a lot of other smaller things in our life. In fact, one of the verses that came to me while I was sitting here this morning was, uh, was from the Song of Solomon, chapter two, verse 15, where it says, Catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards, the vineyards that are in bloom. You know, the little foxes in our life, the little things that eat away at us and undermine who it is we know we really are in Christ. So at the, in that video, he also obviously alludes at the end of it to uh, the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who were in a literal fire, like not just a figurative fire, but a literal fire. And uh, they knew what it meant to literally stand in the fire. Uh, when threatened with the punishment of the fire, if they did not heed the command to bow to uh, and worship the king's God, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. 
but even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. What kind of faith does it take to follow through with this kind of stand? What kind of faith does it take to embrace the flames that, and trust that God is in them? You and I are not likely to face the threat of actual flames, but we do face various types of flames every day in our lives. The stuff in life gets real and loud on a regular basis and can come from many different sources. So we know the stories of the great heroic Bible characters of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. <clears throat> we know the great stories of David and the lion's den. We know the story of the stoning of Stephen, and we know that the disciples all died a martyr's death. And they're very inspiring to see how powerful they could stand against these forces and uh, be faithful in those kinds of situations. But no stand of faith is small or insignificant in God's eyes. Every stand of faith that we make on a daily basis is significant and powerful. It is the real and loud stuff of life that gives us the opportunity to mature in our faith. Before David faced Goliath, he faced other challenges that stood against him. And we are reminded in uh, 1 Samuel, it says, uh, but David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep and when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them." So as we reflect on David's life, we see that he had other challenges that he took and he went after before he had to face Goliath. And that's what he's reflecting on in these verses. He says, I don't stand before Goliath unprepared. I don't stand before Goliath as if this is the first enemy that I have gone after. God has used other things to help me prepare to mature and be ready for this greater giant. David took his role as a shepherd seriously, and he boldly faced every lion and bear that crossed into the sphere of his oversight. We need to see our troubles as the bear and the lions of our day and boldly face each one. Just as the bears and lions David defeated played an important role in preparing him for the future, so too does the defeating of our bears and lions prepare us for important things. Paul reminded the Corinthians of this same thing when he said in 2 Corinthians 4.17, our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. Your present troubles produce glory that will last forever. Is that what you think about when you face your troubles? <laughs> Have you thought about your troubles that way? 
probably not too often. We usually just want them to be over. We wanna win the lottery so our financial needs will be met. We want a miraculous healing so our bodies will be well. We want people to see just how wrong they are so our relationships can get better. We want the temperature to be 76 degrees and sunny every day so our mood can be good. But we don't usually want to discover how our troubles could actually produce glory that will last forever. God redeems troubles as a means of weaning our hearts from the world and drawing out the things that are buried inside of us, both the good and the bad. Ultimately, they point us towards sanctification, purification, and single-hearted devotion in our relationship with God. Ultimately, they have the power to produce within us integrity. Integrity is a word we don't talk about very much, but um, <clears throat> it's really important. And uh, it will cause a lot of stress in your life um, in ways that you aren't conscious of when you don't have a life of integrity. What is integrity? The word integrity stems from the Latin word integer, a mathematical term describing a number that's whole or not divided into fractions. Martha Beck, the author of The Way of Integrity, Finding the Path to Your True Self, says that a person of integrity is in complete alignment of body, mind, heart, and soul. It's a person who is not internally divided, not lying to oneself, or acting in ways that doesn't align with your beliefs and values. Beck describes how everything around us is negatively affected when this is not the case. Health, relationships, work, basically all aspects of our well-being. Thus, she says, discovering where we break from integrity, where we abandon our own truths to follow exterior pressures instead, is some of the best work that we can do. She calls integrity the cure for unhappiness. Integrity is hard to come by these days. Integrity's equivalent may be seen through such words as sincerity, truth, or pure heart. Having integrity means being honest, sincere, and genuine. Our culture has become focused on presentation and appearances, but more and more we find that people and institutions are not what they appear and not who they say they are. Governments, businesses, medical care, schools, churches, politicians, doctors, teachers, scientists, Christians, spouses, even you and even me. We all struggle to live lives and conduct ourselves with integrity, to be in complete alignment of body, mind, heart, and soul with the truth that we say we believe. Psalm 8611 is a great prayer for those seeking to live lives of integrity. Teach me your ways, O Lord, that I may live according to your truth. Grant me purity of heart so that I may honor you. That's a perfect prayer for those who want to have integrity, who want to be 
uh, consistent in every aspect of their life with what they know and believe and profess is true. There's importance in following through on what you promise to do in Washington as an elected official, in backing up your product and guaranteeing it works if you're a business person, in really caring for the patient more than the dollar if you're a doctor, and fulfilling the vows you made when you said, I do, if you're married. But the purest form of integrity comes when we are in complete alignment, body, mind, heart, and soul, with the one who designed us and says he has a plan for our lives, that is our creator. There are so many benefits to integrity. The greatest benefit of integrity is that it pleases God. And if we are living a life that pleases God, we can count on God's promises to be fulfilled in our life. Integrity brings us into the fullness of God's presence, protects us, and guides us. David saw the benefits of integrity in most of his life, but when integrity was lost with Bathsheba, he experienced the loss of some very significant things in his life. These same kinds of examples can be found throughout scripture. Our salvation in Christ is secure and his love for us is full, but the call to becoming conformed to his image is serious. And a lot of times we don't take it serious because we uh, kind of take advantage of God's grace and his mercy in a way that we forfeit the challenge and the call and the dedication to be conformed to his likeness. In Romans 8, 29, it says, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That is our calling, that is our responsibility to make that kind of commitment. Ephesians 5, 1 says, be imitators of God. How do troubles and building integrity work practically together? When pressure comes, the things on the inside will come out. We will get to practice and refine the good things and we will see more clearly the not good things. We all know that whenever, just even the example Jeff gave about betrayal, all of us have experienced betrayal and how did we respond? And he highlighted how Jesus responded. You know, but how did we respond? We all knew right away we were guilty. <laughs> that we can't imagine being able to uh, come to talk about the sacrifice we were about to make on behalf of everyone, including the one who betrayed us, um, right in the midst of it actually happening. Um, so, you know, all of us have these pressures that go on in our life, whether it's outside pressures or inside turmoils, we all face different kinds of challenges. And uh, they're all an opportunity for us to potentially learn and to grow. Um, in Psalm, um, in Romans 12, 2, it says, uh, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In Psalm 139, David wrote, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. 
I don't know about you, but I know there's offensive ways in me and I don't understand them all and I don't all see them all. And by God's grace, he reveals them one at a time. He knows what needs to be addressed next and uh, he's doing ultimately that work that needs to be done in you and me to renew our minds and to transform us and to clean out those offensive things inside of us that we are blind to. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Does God not already know our hearts? I mean, that verse says, uh, you know, God, you discover it, but it's really not for God to discover, it's for us to discover. Does God not know our thoughts? We're the ones that aren't consciously aware of the things going on inside of us. God is very aware. There's uh, some questions that we can ask ourselves when we um, are dealing with some of these challenges. And I know for me, as I have spent a few years in life um, and bumped up against a lot of different things and a lot of different situations that um, have caused me a lot of angst, is that um, I've discovered that, yes, there are problems outside of me and in other people, um, but we can't control situations. We can't control other people. We can't change anyone but ourselves. And so that's really good news though, because you have power there. You have opportunity to experience real change. And it's not only a change that comes in making your situation better, but it's a change that takes you to that new level of maturity, that new level of integrity to bring all of who you are into alignment with your identity in Christ, with that born again, um, identity that we have where all things um, are um, behold all things are new and God is making them new every day and so as I bump into those things um, I've learned more and more to begin uh, to see what it is that God wants to reveal to me about me in those things as we look at integrity and evaluate where we are, there's some questions that we can ask ourselves to see how we are doing with living that life of integrity. Questions such as, is my relationship with Jesus alive and growing? Am I growing in my knowledge, understanding, and application of God's word? Am I humbly serving others? Is my relationships with my family members peaceful and growing? Do I handle my finances responsibly and honestly? Do I use my words to encourage and bless others? Do I welcome correction from others and willingly accept when I am wrong? So these are all good questions, but they are questions that really focus more on the fruit of doing versus the depth of being. And that's where I believe we get really frustrated and where we fall into a religious mindset is when we think about all the things we should be doing. As a believer, I should be doing this and I should be doing that. And, uh, and, and yet I'm not. There's like a block that keeps me from doing those things. And we're reminded what Paul said, I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out for I do not do the good I wanna do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. 
And why is that? You know, to me, it shows that there, there's more work that has to happen at a deeper level within us if we are going to be able to carry out the good things that we do want to do, that we do know we should be doing according to our identity in Christ, according to our, our desire to follow Jesus. We should be doing them, but we don't. Why don't we do it? And of course, Paul referred to the sinful nature that is at work in us. And it's like, well, that's good to know, but <laughs> you know, how do you, how do you, you know, respond to that, that call? Obviously, we call upon God to help us. But what I feel uh, God does to help us is to help us to begin to really do the work that needs to happen inside of us. What does an archeologist, a surgeon, a kid with a messy bedroom, an investigator of a crime and a scientist have in common? When they wanna find something out or discover something new, they dig. They have to dig, dig, dig to find what it is they're looking for. If you wanna grow in integrity and, and maturity, you will have to dig. One of the most powerful things that has inspired and guided me to dig is the troubles and the longings that I have on the inside. A longing for better, a longing to be faithful. If you wanna get the enemy under your foot, if you wanna see the sinful nature that is at work in you snuffed out more and more in your life, simply partner with God to make sure that what the enemy means for evil, God is able to use for good in your life. Whenever you're struggling with something and, uh, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, a stress in a relationship uh, that's not going well, uh, depression, addiction, all kinds of personal issues that we can have going on in our life, you know, that's an example of what the enemy means for evil you can put your trust in, God intends to use it for good. And that's where we get out from under being buried by the enemy and what he is, the chaos he has a hand in and begin to discover what is the hook inside me that empowers him to do that. Because there, there's an open door in us that allows him to create havoc in our life. And that's what we've got to dig and to discover. What is the hook in me? What is the open door? And it's usually rooted in woundings. Uh, it's usually entered into lies of the heart, uh, beliefs that we've picked up from being shaped and molded by the world. You know, when we were born, I think of Adam and Eve, you know, they were kicked out of the garden. Well, their children were born outside the garden. So we were born outside the garden. We were born outside of that, uh, that paradise, out of that uh, access to God and that relationship with God. And, uh, and then we were put in the hands of parents who are imperfect. And, you know, a child is a blank slate and they're being written on over and over and over again by parents, by the world, by peers, by experiences and by the enemy. You know, the enemy turns our hearts away from the people who love us. 
You know, God is the one who turns our hearts back towards the people who love us, especially him. The enemy turns it away. And I've just been very aware of that. Think of all the ways that, that the enemy has turned, he's turning us away from each other. He's turning children away from their parents. He's turning, you know, uh, fellow believers away from one another. He, he has got his foot in the door. And one of the ways he has his foot in the door is all of these beliefs and lies that we have piled up inside of us that need to be replaced. That's that renewing of your mind, renewing of your heart, replacing lies with truth, lies with truth about God, um, replacing lies with truth about yourself, lies with truth about your relationship and with other people. God needs to rewire us. And it's a, it's a process, but that's, that's the foundation. Your wiring is bad. The way you see things, the way you respond is also going to be ungodly. And it's very difficult to have integrity as a believer when your, your very wiring is messed up on the inside. So some of the types of questions that I like to work on that I believe will help produce the kind of fruit that those other questions are seeking to discover um, are questions such as, are the boundaries in my life healthy in the areas of time, health, relationships, thoughts, emotions, and other key aspects? And I'm gonna read these real quick, but I do have a handout that uh, you can take that has all of these on them. In other words, am I guarding my eyes from images that will poison my heart? Am I guarding my ears from influences? Do I have a need to please people and seek their approval? Do I have an addiction or bad habit that needs to be taken seriously? Why do I get so angry? Why do I get so emotional? Why am I so depressed? When I am having a negative feeling or reaction, what is causing it? First in the present and then rooted in the past. Why does that person or thing bother me so much? Why am I feeling so anxious? Why am I having trouble showing love? Am I transferring my unresolved issues with one person onto another? Do I have secrets I'm hiding from those closest to me? When I am not doing what I know I should be doing, why aren't I? Unresolved wounds from the past, fears, unforgiveness. Am I adopting the position of a victim? Am I feeling sorry for myself? If so, why? Is resentment or bitterness taking hold? How might this situation be triggering wounds from the past? Do I have things from my past I have never found peace for? Broken relationships, neglect or abuse done to me, things I feel guilt or shame about? These are just examples of some of the types of digging that we need to do because we are reacting for a reason and usually it's not primarily what's in front of us. It's because what's in front of us is triggering unresolved things on the inside, unresolved things from the past. And this is the new creation, the renewing of our mind, the searching our hearts and our thoughts and knowing us so that God can come into the deepest parts of who we are and bring freedom. That's the part that's enslaved. 
You know, I, a lot of times when I go to the jail to do Bible study, you know, it's so real the fact that they're behind bars, but they were behind bars and they were uh, incarcerated on the inside way before they were on the outside. And, and that's true for all of us. It, it begins on the inside. It, the Bible says what is in the heart of the man is what will come out. And um, so I know, uh, you know, this is just kind of become thankfully a mindset that I have and, and maybe it doesn't look like it sometimes, but um, is, to, is to explore and think this way and try to continually discover why am I feeling this? Why am I reacting this way? And um, even just this um, weekend, uh, as an example, um, you know, it's been challenging to have adult children. So I have three children here out of six, so uh, they'll not probably be excited I'm talking about being a parent, but, um, but it's been challenging to transition to having adult children because it's totally different. You know, when, you're, when you have young kids, they totally depend on you. You make all the decisions and you decide what's happening and everything, and uh, you get to set all the limits but then they become adults and you have no say anymore. And you have to sit and kind of watch them make their own choices and they're not ones you would have made if you got to still make them and, um, you know, and it's difficult. Um, but there's also other things in that relationship that are, that go beyond just being a parent. You know, as a parent, you bring some of your own needs to that relationship. Good, these people belong to me, <laughs> you know? Especially with kids, they belong to me. I don't have to try to figure out how to have a relationship with them, they just belong to me. So, you know, and I've got built-in people that belong to me, that they're mine. And then they become adults and it's like, they don't, that doesn't work anymore, you know? That's not how it works anymore. So then, so for me, the challenge has been then, what is it that I was trying to meet in my needs uh, through this built-in relationship that it no longer works? And so um, one of the things that came out as I was digging um, in that area, because it, you know, it was becoming stressful, um, this relationship with adult children, it, it becomes stressful and it becomes, there's no peace. And I know God wants there to be peace. And I'm thinking, well, if they would just do what I know they should do, I'd have peace, you know? But they, they're not going to. They're, gonna, they're their own people. And I reflect back when I was their age and I think, wow, look what I did to my mom. You know, I, I was the same way. And, um, and so it's like, okay, well, I know peace is possible because I, I have the Lord and he always has a perspective and a place to stand that will bring me peace. And that's why I'm always like, where am I supposed to be standing in this situation? Where am I supposed to be positioned in this situation that I can have peace? And so um, God really showed me the last couple of days um, a belief that I had that developed as a child that I had to earn love, 
So, you know, that, that's the perception I picked up with my parents, that love was something you earn, and you earn it by being uh, desirable. You earn it by doing the right things um, so that that person will love you and show love to you. And I kind of realized that um, I, a lot of my stress was the fear of not being loved by them. And, um, and so when they were dependent on me, there was kind of that natural sense that, you know, there's love there just because you're together and they need you and, you know, you're making life happen for them. But I don't make life happen for them anymore. So there's that fear that you're not going to be loved anymore because it's kind of built in and connected. So, and I realized that that came from my childhood, um, my perception at least. And then think of all the other relationships. Are you acting that way in your other relationships that you have to earn love and, verse, and you're not free to just be who you are? And is really that, is that God's design? No, God calls us to love others, not to work hard to be loved because I don't need to work hard to be loved because I'm already loved. God already loves me. I am born again, I'm his child. So, so, so you see that, you know, that integrating that God is wanting to bring into our life in mindsets that we didn't choose, they just developed in us. But now we have to choose to replace them with the truth, but we can't replace them if we're not conscious of them. So, you know, one step at a time, God keeps bringing these things to our consciousness so we can see them, we can see what's driving us, what's influencing us in a way that contradicts what God has brought into our life and what he's calling us to, so we can choose better, that we can reject those ungodly, sinful mindsets with godly, God-honoring, freeing mindsets. So, so now that I have that awareness, I choose to set myself free to just simply be me and to, and to show love in natural ways, not ways that are trying to earn something, but just simply giving freely and having peace because I'm not trying to, trying to grab hold of something with that. And then they are free to receive it or reject it. They're free to love or to not love. And that's true not just with your children, it's true with one another, it's true with everyone in our life. You know, so that was an insight yesterday. So, so you see, this is, it's rich when you, when you allow yourself to take on the responsibility of you and not put it on other people, not put it on your children, not put it on your spouse, not put it on your fellow believers or whoever, but you put it on yourself and know that God is using it for good to refine you, to set you free, to bring maturity and integrity uh, to your identity. The singleness of heart, mind, soul, um, he's doing that work in you. And it doesn't require others to change. It doesn't require your circumstances to change. It re, it, God's using all of that messiness to help you to become who he created you to be. 
And then when you're able to freely give, what does it say? Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. We keep wanting things that we don't have and we go after them and instead it drives people away. We get the opposite of what it is that we're wanting to have and feeling we need. But God has to always be our first source and he, his wisdom is what will produce the fruit of these other things in our life. So I did wanna have Cheryl come up and share just an example um, as well. I didn't know for sure I had one, but God gave me a fresh one. But, but Cheryl's got a lot of great examples in her life of how God has done this for her. So yeah, I have a lot of examples, but I'm just gonna uh, give one so you guys can go have breakfast and stuff like that. <laughs> um, um, so, you know, what Janie said really rung true with me, and I, as she was talking about that, I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's almost what I was gonna say. Um, I'll just give a little bit of background. Um, I got involved with Living Free about five, six years ago, and I know that it was a God thing, but as I became more involved with it, um, I realized, well, I didn't always realize, I realized that um, my serving was coming from a place of uh, desperation and neediness on my own part because I was so, you know, I needed to be needed. I, I needed to be loved. I needed to be, uh, yeah, if I was needed, then I wouldn't be abandoned, right? I, nobody, if I did enough, if I worked hard, if I did everything that I could, people wouldn't, you know, I would be okay. Um, so that began to manifest in my journey with living free. And, you know, I have wise people around me that began to reflect that to me. And at first I was not very keen on taking that. You know, I was like, no, my heart is, you know, my heart is pure. I really want to do this. I know God has called me to do this. And those things are true. But my, my heart was wounded. And, and so the wounds from the past was driving that emotional need to be that desperation and, and it was I think that God showed me that you know it was from uh, when my family sent me away when I was 18 and I never reconnected with them they never were a part of my life after that so there was a sense of abandonment and so from that point on I just started I felt like well maybe if I do more maybe if I'm you know better maybe if I because if somebody really needs you then you're gonna always be they can't leave you, right? Because they need you. So you try really hard. So anyway, so I think that um, how the roots of that are being healed and we're healed is that um, my understanding uh, and understanding in a deeper way that my core, core had to be in Jesus. So my core wasn't really in him. I mean, I knew him and I, I believe that I, had really, I have a relationship with him, but my core was... My foundation was not in him, so I wasn't stable. And even all the things I was doing was not enough. Like, I had to do more. And as I began to step back a little bit, it was hard to say, to either not jump up and say, yes, I'll do that, or say no to things. But as, um, as I began to walk down that path, the, the benefits of those things that God's done is I have a freedom to function as God designed me to be you know, a freedom to say yes to things, but not because I, you know, I have this, 
compulsion, you know, to do it. And I, if I don't do it, you know, things are just going to fall apart, right? <laughs> that's, that's, that's pride. But, you know, it's like, um, so the motivation to serve is no longer driven by that fear. And it's more driven, it's not, it's just coming from him. You know, I want it to come from him. And I think it is more so than ever. So, and learning how to, so that's led to greater freedom for me and greater intimacy with others because they can sense that, you know, that desperation and that overwhelming desire to, to do and be something in their life that, and even the women in the house, I mean, they could sense that. They may not have known what it was, but they knew that was something in me. So as I've let go of some of those things, doors have opened that I thought would not ever open again. You know, relationship has been restored that I didn't think would ever be okay because of the things that had happened. And God is good. So I think that I'll just wrap that up. But yeah. That's awesome. So thank you. Thank you, Cheryl. That's great. All right. So I, digging can be scary, especially if it's not something that, uh, and maybe it's something, in fact, you've resisted because you're afraid of what that's going to mean. You know, looking at things that you tried to block out that you thought if you just pretend it didn't happen, then, you know, it'll go away. And, and that's just not how it works. Ultimately, I believe it's because it's God's justice. God doesn't allow things to just be buried and be okay. I mean, that, that's not consistent with any aspect of how God works. You know, he doesn't do that with sin. He doesn't just say, oh, it's okay, we'll let it go this time, it's not a big deal, it won't count against you, <laughs> you know? I mean, by his grace, we're forgiven, but it had to be, a penalty had to be paid, you know? And a penalty needs to be paid for the things that have happened to us by other people. Uh, and that's ultimately, we also need God's comfort. And you may not be thinking about that thing anymore, but it's affecting you in ways that you don't realize um, that are significant. Um, it's affecting lots of things and it's stunting your growth and it's keeping you from maturing. It's keeping you from freedom that's available um, and it's keeping you from the life of integrity that uh, God wants to bring into your life, both for your benefit and for his glory. Um, so digging is, a, is an important thing and you don't have to dig on your own. God is the one who leads you in the digging. You just have to know that where you need to look, um, to me is the biggest part of the digging is to know where to put your focus. We put our focus out here, but it needs to be in here. This is where the digging needs to happen. And God will lead you in that. You know, I, when, I, when I'm in that angst and I know I need to be digging, I know that God is saying, yeah, just follow me. I'll, I'll show you right where to look. <laughs> I'll show you right what you need to see. And, um, and, and so that's, that's the awesomeness of God. So I just encourage you too, if you do know that you need to work on some things, 
is to get together with someone. That's one of the reasons I went into pastoral counseling is because I value this so much and it really helps a lot to have someone that you can talk with, um, that you can you know, have someone help you process um, whatever area God's working in in your life at that time. Um, someone that you can share some of those things you've never told anybody or whatever, that they, you know, confess your sins or the sins that have been committed against you to another, um, that we need one another. That's part of God's design is for us to be able to be the hands and the feet and the mouthpiece of God and his word and his love for each one of us. So, um, but I do have a handout of those questions. If you felt like any of that might be helpful for you, it's on the table back by Lori on the projection there um, that you can pick up after the service. So let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you love us and that your love is complete no matter what. We thank you that you're always for us and never against us no matter what. We thank you that our salvation is secure in you uh, as those who have confessed Jesus as our Lord and Savior no matter what. But we know, Lord, that you have so much more for us and that out of gratitude for all that you have done for us, out of a desire to know you more, out of a desire for freedom from all of the snares of the enemy that have found their place in our life in both ways that we see and ways we don't see. We just ask for your help, Lord, in helping us to become conformed to the image of Christ. Help us to want that if we don't. We thank you, God, that you meet us right where we're at. And even if our, our, our internal uh, response is a big no, that we don't wanna do that kind of work, we can at least start with asking you to help us to wanna do that kind of work because we know that's the kind of work you wanna do in us. And we know that it is a work that will bring us freedom. It will improve, it'll improve our, it will bring us peace. It will bring us joy. It will improve our relationships. It will improve our health. It will improve every aspect of our life when we can be free from the inside out. So I just pray, Lord, that you will continue to give us eyes to see and ears to hear. I pray that you will continue to help set us free from the little foxes that are running around inside our heart and mind that are nipping away at your goodness, out of your blessings, out of the new life that you've given us. And I pray that we will find that freedom, Lord, that we can be people who are people of integrity, people who actually live out what it is we believe, that we will be able to rise above the not doing the good that we know we ought to do, but that you will give us that victory through the power of your spirit working in us and out of our cooperation with the work that you're doing. We pray that we will see every work of the enemy as a redeemed opportunity that you are using to shape and refine us, to help us to learn more and to grow more and to experience you in new and greater ways. Help us to have a perspective that aligns with your perspective 
Help us to see your goodness and your faithfulness in every situation that we face. Greater are you who lives in us than he who lives in the world. Greater is your work than the enemy's work. So we thank you, God, that you are faithful, that you are patient, that you are kind, that you are generous, that you are all-knowing and all-powerful. We thank you that you do know all of our thoughts. We thank you that you do know all the offensive ways in us, and yet you still love us. So we pray that we will come to know those offensive ways in us so that we can be free from them and that we can shine the light that you have brightly to those around us, that they would know without a doubt that you are the truth, the life, and the way because we are living proof as they see the work that you are doing in our life each and every day. So we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So we welcome you to join Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.